Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This week, we will hear from Pastor Bill Wilson on serving. Now here is Pastor Bill. Welcome home. Hey, good to see you. I'm an example of somebody who survived 10 flights in the last 30 days. I've been on 10 planes, and um, most of them were good. Most of them were good. Some of them were not so good. Thanks to all of your kindness for uh, the greetings that Joy and I received for our 50 years of marriage together. We appreciate that. You're also very kind as a church, and uh, some of you individually sent little notes of thanks and appreciation. That means a a lot to us, a lot to us. So we got to watch um, you online last Sunday from Hawaii. I felt like I was here (laughs) until I looked outside. And uh, then we, uh, after that service, and thank you, Pastor Rick, for sharing the Word of God with us last Sunday. Good job. Welcome home. What an amazing uh, man of God Rick is, and to hear his story every time he shares from the Word of God, you hear a little bit more of his background. And uh, there's, if you never believed in grace, there's grace right there. God is at work, thank you. And then we went to First Assembly uh, in Red Hill in uh, Honolulu. Uh, the pastors there, a good friend of ours, we totally surprised them. And uh, the children's pastor and her husband uh, were uh, a part of this church. Or, yeah, they were both part of this church, right? And uh, so we got to see Aaron and uh, Corey. Lauren, sorry. I call her Aaron, it's her name's Lauren. So... Thank the Lord for 50 years of marriage that have held me in many times trying to put it all together. And her husband, uh, we greeted them in a surprise. It was really special, a special for them because they're having to leave. He's in the military and they're having to leave Honolulu and go to Colorado Springs where he's going to have brain surgery. And uh, if anybody understands that, Joy and I understand that because our son Phil had brain surgery at Good Sam. 23 years ago, and it was just like God put it all together at the right time. We were right there to minister and, and be a part of that. So anyway, we're back this morning. You know, nobody here wants to be sick, right? Anybody like being sick? Nobody likes being sick. We like to be healthy. And I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning about the things that can make you physically, spiritually, and emotionally healthy in your life. And it goes along with this series of Welcome Home because we've been talking about five vital signs of a healthy church. Healthy churches are made up of healthy people, right? I didn't say perfect people, so don't get nervous real quick. There's no perfect people here. Turn to the person next to you and say, I like you, but you're not perfect, okay? Go ahead. (laughs) Churches are made up of regular people who've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And as a result of that, God does work in their lives. Now, in the media and uh, social media, especially this week, there have been some high-profile personalities of individuals who've been known and I have admired over the years in the church ministries and so on. This happens frequently, occasionally. I shouldn't say frequently. Occasionally, you'll find a high-profile person who has had a misstep or is 
charged with missteps, and I'm deeply sad. But I want to tell you that 99% of those who are in ministry and pastors are not caught up in questionable activity. They are men and women of God who are pursuing the Lord just like you. But the church is not made up of perfect people, but of redeemed people. And there are practices in our lives that bring health and assurance that we will be what God intended his church to be. And so we're looking at some of those vital signs this morning. We call them the welcome home signs because here's, here's what I'm really concerned about right now in where we are in history is that many people, at least one-third, as I've said before, have found themselves disconnected from the local church. Now, they love Jesus, but they're disconnected. And the church is part of loving Jesus. He died for the church, by the way, if you didn't know that. He founded the church. So let me put it in this context. Joy and I are married, but I never come home. How long will that last? Not long, because marriage is built around relationship, right? And even though we have differences of opinion, and uh, you may think we never have a challenge or a difficulty or a disagreement, very seldom do we have those, but we have had some differences of opinion on a few occasions. And uh, not talking has been a decision that we said we would not allow to happen, because we knew we needed to spend time together. And so that's important. And in the local church as a Christian, there are things that happen in your life that can only happen when you are together with fellowship. For example, I think that in a local uh, church, there should be a spirit of hope that comes as a result of being part of a, a group of believers. And so when I come into this place, and I love this place, I honestly do, I, I find my spirit lifted. Even when I'm tired, I find my spirit lifted because I'm with God's people. There have been moments, too, in my life when I have not, uh, not been doing well. I've been at the bottom, if you will, of uh, pressure, uh, burdens, discouragement, whatever it might be, uh, stress or strain. And being with God's people, I've found help. I've had people say to me, Pastor Bill, can I pray for you? And that lifts your spirit. You see, if you don't have that connection, you don't have that assurance. And uh, then there is also that, that not only help that comes, but there is a, 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 shaping, a shaping of your life where you find that there is health in your life and uh, you find that you're growing in the Lord uh, by being together. That's why I think it's so vital that, that in this season we all find ourselves back together in groups of fellowship together and groups of growing together. Is the church perfect? No. Sometimes we have missteps. Sometimes things are clunky. You know what I mean by clunky? It's like the transmission in an old truck I used to drive. It just, you know, always had some noise going on in there and it wasn't smooth. But it got me from point A to point B and I was grateful for that. There, there, sometimes we don't always handle things well, but don't give up on the church. Some people said, I've left the church because it hurt me. Come back to the church. Listen, we've all been hurt, but let's get together and let's see what God will do in the midst of that because out of that will come healing. Out of that will come strength and help. And so the church isn't perfect. Somebody said, well, 
Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and he's been doing it for over 2,000 years. Why is it taking him so long? Well, look who he's got to work with. <laughs> uh, you guys are all okay, but he's working with me. And so uh, we, we are challenged in that. I, I've had people come to me and say, you know, I love Portland Christian Center. And I say, I get it. I do too. Uh, there are several reasons I love Portland Christian Center. But i got to tell you this story because I was reminded of it when I opened my Bible this morning. And right here, can you see it? It's right there, my Bible, a little tag that I put there a long time ago. So our oldest son, Phil and Janelle, have uh, three children. Well, when they were uh, associate pastors here, they had two. And one of them is Ella. Uh, Ella was about two years old, as I recall, and she was working, she was attending, she was working, she was running the early childhood ministries of the church at the time. Thank the Lord for people who work in the nursery and work with our children. Wow. They get up, they come through the door, I see them, I say hi to them, and they're so excited. I get to work with kids. Thank God I don't have to work with adults. I get to work with children, they say. And so they're in there. And, and you know, it's not just babysitting here at Portland Christian Center. That's never been the philosophy. This philosophy has always been that we're going to instill biblical truth, even if it's one concept a Sunday. You know, uh, we're going to instill that in the children's lives. And we thank the Lord for all the volunteers that work. Well, uh, at the end of the, the service, the second service, I saw the, the front, the doors were all open. People were mingling and chatting as they will in the next few minutes. And, and in comes... Uh, Ella just bopping down the, the aisle way. She runs up, she grabs me, she gives me this big, big hug. And it's, you know, if you're a grandfather, that's like really special. You know, it's just really, she, I love you, Grandpa. And then she wants to get down, and I let her down, and off she ran. She found her mom somewhere, hopefully. And uh, she, off she was going. And, and uh, so then I, I went around, and I was greeting people. I noticed that for 10 minutes, listen. For 10 minutes, I was greeting people. They were smiling. Pastor Bill, it's good to see you. Then they would smile at me. And I thought, isn't it nice to be with people who really love you? And finally, after 10 minutes, someone said, Pastor Bill, I said, yes. I, they, you have something on your lapel of my jacket. And I looked down, and there was a sticker. And it's right here in my Bible. I'm going I'm to read it to you. This is what it said. Somehow the sticker moved from my granddaughter, Ella, to my lapel. Now understand, I walked around the church for 10 minutes shaking hands with people. Nobody said one thing to me except one dear saint who finally said, Pastor Bill, there's something on your lapel. You probably should look at it. This is what it read. Sorry, I tried to go potty today, but I couldn't. The next Sunday, somebody gave me this sticker. Teacher is proud of me. I used the toilet. They're right there in my Bible. I want you to see them right here. I never want to forget the church where love is. <laughs> oh, I love this place. So here's, here's how you're going to be healthy in your life. You ready? You've already heard these, but I'm going to repeat them. Number one is that you're going to be healthy if you learn to worship the Lord. 
look up and exalt the Lord. If you practice that in your life, you're going to be healthy. And if you're healthy in doing that, the church will be healthy. The second thing is uh, instruction, uh, that looking inward and allowing the word of God to help establish you as a believer. You will be healthy and the church will be healthy. We said fellowship, two fellows in a ship, looking around, encouraging the body of Christ, which is what we're doing here this morning. You will be healthy. You'll be healthy. You'll have friends. And you'll find yourself encouraged this morning. Evangelism, as Pastor Rick shared so encouragingly last week, looking outward, eager to reach lost people. Why? Why? Because lost people matter to God. And if they matter to God, they should matter to me. My neighbors should matter to me. The people I meet should matter to me because they matter to God, every person. The, the person with mental illness on the street, as well as the wealthy millionaire who lives down the road. God loves all of those folks, and they matter to us. And a church that is thriving keeps that in mind. And I come to the last one today, and I want to read from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge Indulge the flesh. Rather, here's the key line today, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. I almost stopped here, but I want to just keep reading. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what we know from reading the Bible, what we know about being human is there is the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, who would like to destroy the church and has attempted to do that for years. A few years ago, uh, I was in Turkey with Joy. We traveled. We went into the zero zone. It's a, we call it the zero zone. It's the northern part of Turkey because there's no evangelical church that we know of. There are no uh, evangelical Christians that we know of. There are no missionaries in this region because of the, uh, the work that goes on there and especially with the state of Turkey itself. But there are all these buildings. There are buildings. There are beautiful churches built in 993, 963, and uh, we walked through them and you could see people couldn't read in those days, so they had these beautiful uh, pictures uh, that had been painted on the walls of the Bible so that people could see for themselves the scriptures and hear the stories of God's word. And so these, many of them have been turned into mosques and you hear the, the call to prayer. I said to one of the leaders of the local mosque, I said, I noticed that you have call for, to prayer, but nobody comes. Nobody comes. And he said, well, that's because they're all busy. They're all busy. They can't come but we still have the call to prayer. So in a little village of maybe 50 or 100 people, there might be two or three mosques, and the government pays these uh, leaders of the mosque to watch over the community, make sure that there isn't a Christian message going on. And yet, in the midst of all that, God is doing a marvelous thing. And yet, the enemy of our soul would like to destroy the church, right? You got that? But God is building his church and he is building it in a variety of ways. And he says here, serve one another. This is the key verse. 
humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. This is the remarkable strength of the local church when we read scriptures like this about serving. It's one of the key verses of vital health in the local church is service and in your life as well. You need to feel like you are contributing in some way with what God's given you and participating in some way. So this is interesting because when Paul uses the word serve, it has two meanings here. First of all, it has the meaning of surrender to Christ. So I, I serve the Lord. We've heard that phrase perhaps maybe you say, I serve Jesus. I'm, I, I'm a servant of Jesus. That means that I've surrendered to him. I am serving him. It also means and has a, a broader uh, message there, and that is that I'm helping others. So service is a surrender to Christ, but it is also helping others. So when Paul writes and he says, serve one another in love, he's saying, you are serving the Lord, you've given your life to Jesus, but you're also helping others in knowing about Jesus through your life. Now, when Paul wrote this to the Galatian church, in fact, the book of Galatians is probably, uh, you know, if you, if you like to just get into the depths of a book of the Bible, Galatians is pretty rough at the beginning. Paul is pretty stoked about, uh, about what he says here. And in fact, we don't, I was never allowed to say, and I don't say it, and I only use it as an illustration, to say a phrase that's very common in our culture, very common in, in, in people talking. You've heard it before. Maybe somebody said it to you. Go to hell. Have you ever said that? Or maybe somebody said it to you. That's not a phrase that I use. But when you read the first chapter of Galatians, you see that Paul gets pretty ramped up here about false teachers who have come into the church to teach uh, truths that are not, or teach false truths and to confuse the gospel. And so in that opening chapter, you'll read down and you'll see that he doesn't use those exact words, but in a sense is what he's saying. Because these, uh, these false teachers have come from Jerusalem to this young church to teach something that is not about the gospel. It's Jesus plus. Uh, there, are, there are theologies out there. One is such a, uh, the, the Jewish root the theology that floats around is that means I got to go back into the Old Testament practices and follow certain uh, routines and rituals in order to be a Christian. And that's exactly what was happening in Galatia. So what you're going to find is the book of Galatians is about salvation and the freedom that Jesus gives us in him alone and not all the other stuff that we put on to this. And he says to this culture that you need to serve one another in love. Now, this is contrary to the culture because the culture said service, serving other people is, is uh, reducing myself. It's weakness. But Paul is saying, no, no, it's not weakness because they thought in their culture that you should be connected, you should have position and influence, and people should serve you. You got it? That was the culture. So now, Jesus, now Paul takes the same word and turns it around and said, no, 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 no. When you serve Jesus, you serve other people as well. It's that strength, that's not weakness. So when Joy and I were first dating, we go to our, my house for the very first time. I don't know when this habit started. I, I honestly don't. Um, I kind of like the habit now that I think about it, but we were sitting at the table and I drank all of the 
the water that was in my cup or Kool-Aid or whatever it was that mom had put on the, on the table. And I lifted up my empty glass of ice and I shook it like this. And my youngest sister jumped up. She grabbed the, the glass, went over, put water in it or whatever, brought it back and set it down. This is the first time Joy ever came to our house. <laughs> she looked at that. She, So I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I guess I've been doing that for a long time. I remember getting in the car and Joy said, what's with the shaking of the glass thing? I said, what do you mean? She said, I noticed that you were sitting there and your glass got empty and you just shook it. You didn't say, could I have some more water? You didn't say anything. You just shook your glass and your sister jumped up as if she was your slave to get the glass full of water and bring it back to the table. I said, yeah, what's something wrong with that? <laughs> well, we have not been dating that long, but I just want you to know right up front that you shake the glass of me, I'm not getting off the table. <laughs> I should have read Galatians early on, right? Before we dated. Because Galatians says that true greatness isn't having people serve you, it's you serving others. Jesus said the same thing in, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Are you with me? So this is why serving is such an important part of a local church and why serving is such an important part of your life. And by the way, I've never shaken my glass in 50 years. I want you to know that for sure. As wonderful as all the pastors you've had and the next pastor you come that comes uh, will... Uh, be wonderful. You'll have to get acquainted with them. Give them some time. They're not going to be perfect. They're going to have some aspects of them, just like I do, that you think, oh, you know, you could get rid of that, or you could add that on, or whatever. But give them some time. Pray for them. Love them. Encourage them. Introduce yourself. Give them some time to get acquainted and get into what God's calling them to do. They didn't come because they needed a job. They came because God called them here. And you've been praying for very many months. I wish you'd pray a little bit longer uh, for this, but let's pray that God will raise up that right person. But what you're going to discover is as is, is great as an individual might be, great churches aren't built around one person. I realize that there are orators that we, that we have been drawn to. What I mean by that is pastors or preachers who draw a lot of attention because of their skill sets, and we do enjoy hearing them but really under the surface, because I have had the privilege, as some of you have, to be in environments behind the scenes. Last Sunday, I sat in the green room, if you will, of a local of the church in Hawaii. And what I mean by that is that's where the leaders were all together. And I looked around the room, and I know the pastor. He's a very good friend of mine, and he's a wonderful guy. But the reason that church is strong and healthy and doing great things isn't because of him. It's because of so many. And as talented as a pastor might be, I just want to assure you that it isn't one person that makes a church healthy and strong. It is those who serve together behind the scenes, sometimes not even known. And I think of all the people who have served as hosts and greeters and caregivers and teachers and musicians and tech people, prayer team uh, givers and caregivers, as I mentioned, and on and on it goes in this church that have made it what it is today. The challenge of the last 24 months is the volunteerism of service in local churches across America has dropped substantially. In a recent uh, article in Christianity Today, 
they were pointing out in the last 24 months that almost 10%, it was already under 50%, but now it's dropped another 10% down in the 30s of people who actually volunteer in the local church. And pastors, my pastors that I work with across the state, as well as pastors across America, are saying, we have a little bit of an issue right now in local churches, and that is that people have, have fallen into the trap of not serving and volunteering. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not harassing, I'm not uh, angry, I'm actually quite thrilled to be here this morning. And uh, I, I'm just saying that one thing that's going to help us move forward before this service is over is for you to pray and say, Lord, where can I share my life with somebody else? Where can I serve in a local church? So two weeks ago, after Sunday morning, I rushed to the airport, got on a flight. Um, <laughs> flight was delayed, of course. So that meant that my connecting flight in Dallas was going to be late. So uh, they got me on. I said, I, I, they, they, this is what they said with a big smile. Well, Mr. Wilson, they don't know that I'm a pastor, right? So they, they just treat me like Bill Wilson. So they said, Bill, I'm sorry, but uh, we're gonna, we'll reschedule you for Monday afternoon. I said, well, uh, and I remember I was preaching so I, uh, earlier, so I got to keep the same spirit. Uh, I said, that's not going to work because I got to be in a meeting at nine in the morning. And uh, then she graciously, here's what I've learned about people in those positions. They get harassed all the time. So don't harass them. Be kind to them. So she went to work and she said, I can get you on a, the last flight out of Dallas into Springfield, Missouri. Uh, and there are not many flights that go to Springfield. I'm just telling you right now. It's not like uh, vacation capital of the world. So anyway, that meant I, I, I was able to get on there onto that flight. So we go and we have our meetings. And I, we got to honor one of my good friends, Dr. Richard Hammer, who um, Richard uh, just retired of 43 years this last week at the General Council as the legal attorney the single legal attorney for the Assemblies of God. Richard was an atheist, or he would say an agnostic when he was in high school and college, and his girlfriend took him to Assemblies of God church just like this, and he came to know Jesus. This super intellectual guy, you can leave the picture up there, uh, the super intellectual guy, there you go, the one on the, the left is the super, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Richard Hammer, super intellectual guy, um, has been an attorney from when he graduated from law school. He came to Springfield and worked for just a few uh, dollars an hour kind of thing and became the official attorney. He has written numbers of books. He's a leading attorney in America and even around the world on tax and law. And he's written many volumes over the last uh, four to five decades. In addition to that, he, he was a little bored, so he became a diesel mechanic. So he's a certified diesel mechanic. In addition to that, he, uh, he got his certificate to be a yachtsman uh, and uh, do big cruise ships. In addition to that, he has one of the most powerful telescopes in the United States in New Mexico, and he takes photos of the glory of God in the highs, uh, in, the, in the skies, and uh, NASA has even contacted him and asked him for photos uh, from his, his telescope. 
He's an amazing, amazing guy with all of these, and he's never lost a case in 43 years. One of the things that's amazing is he's a Christian and he's an attorney. So that, uh, that's good, along with Michael Ross and the rest of you who are here this morning. I'm sorry, didn't mean to offend you. Come down afterwards and I'll apologize. But I'm just telling you, all of that, but uh, at his, his dinner a couple of weeks ago, he said, there's one thing that I love more than any of all of the accolades that I've received and the uh, academic accomplishments. One thing, he's taught at Harvard, he's taught at all legal places. I mean, it's all, the, the, the list is long. He says, there's one thing. And when he shared it, I thought to myself, that's right. I'll never forget it. And I don't want you to forget this. I'll tell you what it was later. But serve one another humbly in love. Now, here's the reason. Here's the reason for serving God. And I, I love what uh, Rick Warren, he put it kind of in this way. He said, you were created by God to serve. You were created by God to serve. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Jesus Christ to do good works. Wow. God created me from the get-go to do good works. This is why service is such a part of my healthy outlook in life and the healthy church is because we were created to serve. God designed me to serve. He shaped me to serve. Jeremiah 1, 5 through 6, God's reminding Jeremiah of his birth. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And that is the same for you and I. He's appointed us as prophets to the nations. We are created to serve. We're a custom, one of a kind. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love you, but you're one of a kind. You're one of a kind. In the Old Testament, there's a fabulous story. There's a movie that's been made about it. And her name is Esther. She's this remarkable woman who's been put in a very unique spot and she becomes the queen of a foreign nation at a critical time in the, in the life of the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, God's people. And her uncle comes to her and pleads with her, you've got to go to the king and make an appeal on behalf of your people, God's people, Jewish people, because there are a group of people who want to wipe them out. And this is what Malachi, or, uh, Mordecai said to, to her and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I've thought of that so many times as even I've, I've stood here looking back on my life and I realize that I'm here for such a time as this. And you are here for such a time as this. The pastoral team that is working so hard are here for such a time as this. The deacon board that you have selected to serve for such a time as this. Those that are greeting at the doors and teaching classes and taking care of those that are in need and praying for those in your prayer list and giving beyond uh, perhaps the norm is for such a time as this. So you were created by God to serve. You were also saved by God to serve. Why did he save you? I, I don't know when the circumstances took place for you, 
But one thing I know is that when God saves you, there's something that leaps within you that says, I've got to serve the Lord. I've got to serve the Lord. Galatians 5.13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Yes, that's, understand, that's what Paul's trying to stress here. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, he says, serve one another humbly in love. That's why you were called to freedom. That's why you were saved. When I first met John and his wife Meredith, they were brand new Christians. And this is what they said to me. And I find this to be true with new believers. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? I remember one Sunday in this very sanctuary, a lady came with her two small children. She hadn't been in church. In fact, she didn't grow up in church, but she felt compelled to come. And on that Sunday, unbeknownst to me, she gave her heart to the Lord. She, she surrendered her life to the Lord and said, I'm going to serve the Lord. The next week, uh, the receptionist in the office came to my office and said, there's a lady out here, said she gave her heart to the Lord and she's come to serve the church. What should she do? And so I met her and from that day on, she served the church faithfully and she was always here. What should I do? There's something when you get saved, when you come to know the Lord, that you have within you a desire to serve. Uh, A third thought this morning is that You were called by God to serve. So not only were you created, not only were you saved, but God has a calling on your life. Ephesians 4.1 says, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I wasn't just created to serve. I wasn't just saved to serve. But there's something in my spirit that says, I've got to serve. I'm called to serve. I'm called by God. I used to think, honestly, I grew up in church, as most of you know, but I still in the back of my mind thought that the word called meant for certain people who were zapped on their walking down the street, they're zapped by God, and he says, go to Africa. That's what I thought. And Bill and Sharon Johnston did go to Africa and spent much of their life because they felt the call of God to that Location. If you've never read Bill's book, you ought to read the story. It's an incredible story of that calling of God. Bill, just stand up for a moment so everybody knows who to go to when they want a book. Right there. I used to think that those are the only people called by God. Or perhaps that fiery evangelist or maybe a pastor. In fact, honestly, till I was 18, I didn't want to be a pastor. My parents were pastors. My grandparents were pastors. My great-grandparents were pastors. I wanted to have fun. <laughs> I didn't want to be a pastor, have to preach every Sunday, every Wednesday night, teach a Sunday school class, visit the sick, drive around in an old beat-up car and go to the hospital, all that stuff. I didn't want that. But God called me in a different way. Hey, so I, I loved the Lord as a young boy, and I did want to serve him in some capacity. And I was 11 years old, and I wanted to be in the youth group, and the youth director said I was too young. So I thought, well, that's, I'm going to figure this out. My dad's the pastor, so I've got to figure out how I can serve. So I went back to the youth pastor, or the youth director, and I said to him, I said, listen, 
Uh, I know I'm too young to be in the youth group, but if I notice you need an usher to receive the offerings. And the youth director said, yeah, I can't get anybody to do that. I said, I volunteer. That was the way I got into the youth group at 11 years old. I was the usher. And I, did, I was a good usher, too, I want you to know. When they, when they didn't give money, I just stood there. I wasn't moving from your row until the next row until there was stuff in the bucket. I was 11 years old and I was an usher. And that's where I started to serve. And you know what? Soon I didn't care about being in the youth group. I cared about the joy of serving because I realized that God had his hand on my life to serve. And that's what I wanted to do. And God has called us all to serve. From the moment you are saved, listen, if you are saved, you serve. If you're not saved, you probably won't serve. But if you are saved, you are called to serve. It's identical. It's not like, okay, I was saved, but I'll think about this. No, if you're saved, you are a servant, and you are called to serve. You may never be a pastor. You may never go to Africa and write a book, but you can serve. Uh, if this doesn't get you, I keep going. So I'm just going to keep going until I feel like you get it. You've been gifted to serve. Now, every, look up here. Everybody has abilities and talents. They're not all the same. I have a friend by the name of Rick. He doesn't, not this Rick. I have other friends named Rick. But a friend of Rick, his Rick. He felt like he had the gift of solos, singing. I, I sat by Rick. I, I may not have a lot of discernment, but I knew God didn't give him the gift of solo work. He didn't have the gift of even standing up here with a microphone pretending he was singing because he was terrible. And I, I remember he said, I want, you know, I just feel like God's given me this gift to sing. And I said, well, could you do it somewhere else? <laughs> but I'll tell you what Rick did have. He had a deep, compassionate heart. And for over 40 years, he was a counselor a professional Christian counselor. He saved a lot of people in their marriage and in their brokenness. He had the gift, not of music, but of listening and counseling people to the th throne of, of Christ. That was a gift. And God has given you a gift. God's given you talents. And unless you're using them, you're going to sit, soak, and sour. And you'll become a sour believer. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at everybody. I'm just saying, you'll become a soured believer. This is what happens. I've seen it. So you want to serve because you don't want to be sour. You don't want to just, just go through the motions. But find what God's gifted you to do. And if it's not singing a solo like my friend Rick, then start counseling people. If it's not counseling, then do something else. If it's nothing else, be a, a, an usher in the youth group. And don't leave the aisle until they give. And God commands us, serve one another. I think there's more here, but I'm just going to wrap this up. Because I see the reverse clock has gone past my time. You didn't know there was a reverse clock. They, they know that I ignore joy when she closes her Bible, so they started putting a clock up there that says, <laughs> you've gone over four minutes past the time. So I, uh, my friend... Uh, Richard Hammer, 
This is what he said at his banquet. He said, I made a decision to teach the fifth grade Sunday school class at Central Assembly in Springfield, Missouri. And he said, all of the accolades and accomplishments and achievements in my life mean nothing to me compared to this Sunday school class. He said, I have devoted myself in teaching children, fifth grade children, and some fourth grade, Bible verses and the story of the gospel, Bible geography. Man, yeah. When I thought, listened to him, I thought, I wish my kids had been in his Sunday school class. He talked about all of the things that he had taught them. He showed them the pictures of the stars and talked about how God created the heavens and the galaxies and things that had not been publicly really even um, described by many outstanding scientists. Richard Hammer saw them in his telescope and showed them the glory of God. He said one Sunday, there was this uh, young girl that was in my class, and I knew she was a foster girl. And uh, she, she had had a really, really rough background in her life. She, um, she really struggled. And um, he said, she was the last child out of the door as they were leaving. And I stopped her. I called her by name. And I said, you are awesome. God has a dream for you. And he said, I gave her a hug. And out she went. And the next Sunday, I noticed that she waited until all the kids left again. And she waited and she came up and she stood there and I said, you are awesome. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And I gave her a hug. And every Sunday, she would be the last child out because then I began to realize this is probably the best thing she's heard all week in her life. And then God spoke to me and said, you should be saying this to all the children. And so over the last three decades, with hundreds of kids coming through his class. Here's this tall, lanky, awkward-looking attorney who is a scientist and never lost a case in court, standing over these children saying, you are awesome. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And he said, serving the Lord in that capacity means so much more to me than standing in a courtroom and trying to win a case for the assemblies of God. Or looking into the stars and seeing galaxies that have not been seen by the human eye or being a diesel mechanic and tearing down a diesel engine and repairing it or taking a yacht out on the water. Serving God with five fifth grade students has been the most rewarding in my life. I couldn't help saying, I'm putting that in my sermon when I come back to PCC. There's a card on your, uh, your, your chair there, by you. Would you take that out for a moment? Let me say something to your parents. Statistics show us clearly that parents who have their children in church and in this environment and find them a place to serve, the chances are that they will still continue to follow Jesus when they leave your home. Let me say that again. Parents, if you engage your children in serving the Lord in the local church and in other ways, they're more likely to stay with their faith than for those who come to church, sit, and then they leave at 18 and never come back. I am grateful for the 25% or so who have stuck around and are involved and engaged. And I wanna encourage you as parents to remember that. There's 
There's, uh, I think I counted, is there 24 uh, different opportunities on here? Now listen, if you're like my friend Rick, don't be marking worship team, okay? But where would God have you serve in this local church? As we rebuild the team, as we re-engage people at PCC, for your health and the health of the future, as we welcome people home, where could we serve? And it's not only marking a box, but we'll take this, our team will uh, take this and they'll tabulate and try to make connections. So we do need to know who you are. Don't just mark a box, put your name there and some information and say, I, I feel compelled that I'd like to be involved in a host member or welcome team. I'd love to serve coffee. Um, I'd like to be on the safety team or the medical team, or I'd like to work in kids or youth or whatever it might be. You say, well, Pastor Bill, I'm not sure. I want you to pray about it because service and surrendering to Christ are the same thing. So Father, we just take this card this morning. Help us to respond where you want us to, to be in building the kingdom of God. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. May I be like Rich Hammer and say, the greatest thing I've ever done in my life is to serve the Lord, teach in Sunday school. Amen. Perhaps you're here or maybe you're watching online. You never accepted Christ. Here's a prayer I want you to pray. You can pray it. Everybody pray it out loud. Will you just pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your love. Forgive me of my sin and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's put our hands together and thank the Lord for what he's doing. And I will love you, Lord, my strength. And I will love you, Lord, my shield. And I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever all my days, I will love you, God. And I will love you, and I will love you, Lord, my strength. this on the ch chair where you were seated just we'll pick them up and we'll take them if you want to drop it off at the welcome center you can do that um, if you feel like you know Pastor Bill you're putting some pressure on me I don't know what to do here um, I guess you could take it home chances are you won't bring it back you sit there in a year from now you say I remember that sermon about Pastor Bill with the glass of ice and nobody came and served him and all that stuff I'd encourage you to leave it where it is. Take a step of faith. And let's see what God will do at PCC in the days ahead. Amen? Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace in your coming and going. When you walk through those doors, you may know this, that he don't go by yourself. He goes with you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6.
Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com. Thank you.